0: Hello! And
1: welcome to Awesome Etiquette.
0: Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty.
1: On today's show, we take your etiquette questions about medical TMI, haggling etiquette, where to send a thank you gift, how to handle New Year's Eve invites when friends aren't all invited to the same party, gift return guilt, and how to not manage your boss's holiday party budget. Figure that one out.
0: Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salutes, and a Postscript segment on keeping the holidays personal. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont, by the Emily Post Institute.
1: I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post-Senning.
1: And we're gearing up for this big, awesome holiday that Dan and I both celebrate. Merry Christmas. (laughs) We decided to get the show up a little bit early for you this year, just in hopes that our PostScript segment would inspire for the holiday ahead.
0: And I'll confess to a little bit of a a personal interest in wrapping up our work week by Friday so that we can really enjoy the the long holiday that we will be taking between Christmas and New Year's.
1: My cousin is being so generous. He is completely protecting my personal um, crusade to have the week off between Christmas and New Year's. He is very willing to work during that week. And I am always the one championing for, no, give us the vacation. That was really kind of you, cousin. That was very kind of you. But I also
0: want to give you the credit because you're the one that said, no, let's hustle. Let's schedule another recording this week and be sure that we have a show ready for that New Year's week also. Oh, yeah, totally. You will not only get this show a little bit early, we hope, double fingers crossed, but you will also be getting a show from us that New Year's week as well.
1: We are determined to not miss a week for you. Dan, this is actually a really cool Christmas this year. You and I are not together this year for Christmas. We're together every other year. Mm -hmm. But this is Anisha's first Christmas. So it's your first Christmas as a dad, like a, a dad with a baby outside the belly. <laughs> so true. And
0: I, I was thinking back about the last two years yeah. and they both seem like a, a, an infinite amount of time has passed and they've gone by in the blink of an eye. There was a, a year of pregnancy and a year of, of newborn baby who is now just so on that edge of toddler She just t- – she's getting so long and her personality is emerging. It's – Really spectacular and it is such a joy to to sit in the living room with the fire going and the little children's books (laughs) piled up on the tables by the couch and the toys and the – it's – It really is a delight, and it's been a fun holiday season.
1: We had a friend visiting uh, last week. My friend Gil was in town, and she came up to hang out at the house on the hill. I I keep wanting to call your house the Red House. That's the house that Dan grew up in, and he lives next door to it now. But it's not the Red House, so I'm thinking of you as the house on the hill. Um, I like that. But it was so nice. They have this giant sheepskin rug, and it's, like, really thick and really well-maintained, so it's super soft. And, like, Raj runs up and curls up on it in front of the fireplace and then Anisha's crawling around handing you every toy that she has and seeing just what you might be able to do with it. It's hysterical. <laughs> it is. It's a little family bliss
0: retreat for me and I, I I will confess I rush home to it. And
1: <laughs> I, I would too.
0: <laughs> I, I will tell the story just from last please, night. Please, please. I, I talk about Anisha's emerging personality and mm-hmm. one of the real joys of the last few months of my life has been watching her become her and Last night she was playing and playing and it was I, – I, I likened it to a wind-up toy that you were watching the, the wind-up wind down. It was getting closer and closer to her bedtime and her play went from really, really active to slower, slower, slower. And as she was slowing down, she just ca- crawled closer and closer and closer to me no. until she ended up just sort of crawling into my lap and snuggling up against me and fell asleep in my arms. I, I, I was telling Pooj the story about it this morning saying I think it was – One of my favorite times with her almost ever. Most
1: Uh, magical moments. (laughs) And I thought I would share that
0: with everyone because it's been a delight to me. And I've talked a lot about my journey with Pooja and Anisha on the show. And I want to keep everybody involved.
1: Absolutely. Well, and it's just it's feel good stuff. You know, a lot of folks write into the show and they talk about how it's nice to have um, a conversation that's about the good things. That it's nice to hear uplifting stories. It's nice to to feel like you walk away um, thinking about uh, just, literally just what's good. The the way seeing good in the world and looking for it in the world. And I think those kind of moments are absolutely fitting.
0: The best part of our work yeah. for me is often talking about relationships and yeah. the importance of relationships in our lives. And
1: really, Do it we really we like is true. <laughs>
0: In that spirit, we're going to revisit this theme of relationships and investing in relationships for our postscript. So I hope you'll stick around for that.
1: No, I thought you did a great job with this one because I'm really excited. Super inspirational. But first, let's get to some questions. Let's do it.
0: Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette so that we know you want your question on the show.
1: Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing Our first question is titled Medical TMI, and it comes via Twitter. At Liz Martin Spunky writes, when kid has strep or other illness, what's the rule, Ari, sharing info with other parents versus oversharing?
0: I like the consideration. I'm
1: going to you on this, Dad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so there's two etiquette rules that are crossing for me here. Okay. And the first is is a fundamental underlying etiquette rule, which is that safety trumps etiquette. Yeah. So that you want to think about safety first. And it's an old cliche, but it's a great one. And let that be your... Set your parameters. Set your boundaries. Absolutely. Um, If there are things that other people need to know or information about your child, maybe it's a susceptibility to something. Um, You really want to share that information. Be clear. Be candid. Do that sooner than later. Don't have regrets about people's health because you were hesitant to talk about something.
1: So, Dan, for instance, if you had a child whose immune system was compromised, Would it really be good etiquette for you to be saying to the parents of your child's playmates, you know, um, just so you know, if your kid does have a cold or something, let me know because my child's immune system is compromised. I just have to be a little more cautious than the average parent. Absolutely.
0: And if we were mining for sample (laughs) scripts, I would say that's one right there. All
1: right, cool. But what if you're not and you're like, how do you? Yeah.
0: You can always (laughs) let someone know. My child's been dealing with a conjunctivitis in their eye. It's pretty contagious. It would be delightful to have you over, but I wanted to let you know. That is something that you can absolutely say. And again, I think clarity – um, being candid these are all important the place where the the etiquette streams cross <laughs> is there is also a concept about good conversation polite conversation mm-hmm. that says you don't overshare particularly when it comes to health family finances that we don't need all the gory details you don't need to describe the color. <laughs> exactly what that conjunctivitis looks like how it was last night versus this morning um, unless that um, gives important information about how contagious it is. Sure, You don't need to get into the gory details. So let safety set the boundaries for the conversation. But then that's where you let good taste start Take to over. enter the equation and you think about um, not grossing people out and not sharing more of the, the details than someone needs to know or – A detail that might make someone feel uncomfortable.
1: Now, aside from the grossing out factor, what about just the idea of a a kid's privacy? There's this kind of idea out there about how much can parents share, should they share, how do they protect their child's privacy when often they are the voice for their child? And I'm imagining that depending on how you feel um, as a parent, that you could say something as simple as, Jerry's going to be out for five days. You know, you could you don't even have to list what type of illness Jerry might have. You could say, you know, Jerry's got strep and leave it at that. And then I think we cross into the polite territory of anything kind of beyond what it is and how long it's going to take or how contagious it is. I think you're right. You start, you start being in that medical TMI territory, which you've already described.
0: Well, and, and I like the way that you're Bringing in some awareness of privacy as well as just tact, <laughs> that there is a really fundamentally important question about how much information you sh- share about health. I think you use that safety because it's important. It's important for everybody and that's the consideration of others. But there's also that respect for self, respect for the, the little person that you're taking care of yeah. and respect for their privacy is a big part of that. Yeah.
1: At Liz Martin Spunky, we hope that that helps answer your question, and we hope that if you've got a, a sick one at home, that he or she gets better soon.
0: <coughs> Look at that smudge! Look at those germs she leaves on the doorknob, and here's Bob's hand picking them up. Bob, his hand now covered with germs picked up from that doorknob, transfers them to a book. Sue, having the bad habit of wetting her finger to turn pages carries the germs from the book to
1: her mouth, and then passes them along with a pencil to Anne.
0: Our next question is about haggling etiquette. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. Hope your holiday preparations are going well. I'd love to know your opinions on haggling or negotiating prices when buying things, what the appropriate circumstances are, if any, and what the proper language would be. The circumstances in which I've seen it happen are generally at flea markets, farmers markets, owner-operated small businesses, and the like. I can't help but feel secondhand embarrassment when I do overhear it. But I wonder, is it an etiquette faux pas? Thanks, and have a great New Year, Sharon.
1: Hey Sharon, thank you for bringing up a new one for us. We have not talked about haggling etiquette before, and haggling certainly, I think, has a time and a place. I think there are certain uh, markets and even certain cultures where haggling is just straight up how business is done. Um, And I think I would pay attention to that, especially when I'm traveling abroad. um, If being from the states, if I'm traveling outside the United States, Um, but typically. You don't haggle like in America you don't haggle in store shops, you know, in actual storefronts too much. Farmers markets, I haven't seen a lot of haggling going on personally in Vermont farmers markets, but I'd be really curious to hear from our audience if that is something that that happens often if negotiating prices is a thing. But flea markets definitely, I see that happen all the time and I don't think there's any need for secondhand embarrassment. There's actually there's very little need for secondhand embarrassment altogether. But the, I don't think you have to feel like these people are making missteps. The one thing that can just simply happen is that we have a lot of folks from different cultures, and I remember working as a retail person, and I had someone who was very used to haggling um, in the, the place where they had lived last, and so they came into the store and started haggling, and I said, you know, I'm really sorry, but our prices are set as they are. There's no need when haggling to kind of Get an attitude about it And you know Certainly there's There are times Where that is That like No, no, no Your product's not worth it No, no, no And like That can be fun But you never want it To take on a sound of insult like oh you're not worth it or you're crazy for setting that price um, you never want it to start to go into that insulting territory but um, asking or venturing or even just saying you know our prices up for debate is a, is at least a way to start you know and to, to just see if you've got some wiggle room even that phrase is there any wiggle room here I I know. I'm like you've been cracking up on the other side of the mic.
0: Because I I found myself drawing very similar lines to the ones that you were drawing. I was thinking to myself that there is an expectation in American culture that usually store prices are set, are pretty firm. And on the list that was in this question, it was flea markets, farmer's markets, owner-operated small business. And I was thinking, well, yeah, flea markets probably – farmer's markets? Maybe. Maybe like, say, you know, I'm if curious. I get a, a, a bunch of this, does the price come down any? And now we're starting to get into bulk, the... Bulk purchase. The, the, the language that really works, I think.
1: I like that. Bulk purchase is a soft start for haggling. <laughs>
0: well, and then I started thinking about owner-operated small business. And my first instinct was, well, for a, a storefront, you really want to respect the prices that people put on things. At the same time, I wouldn't want a small business owner out there that was willing to negotiate about price to lose a customer that they would happily accommodate right. within a certain range.
1: And it's hard for the store owner to pipe up and be like, yeah, let's negotiate on that price. It's like, no, you kind of have to like, I don't know who's, who it's on to make the first haggle or negotiation. So
0: I got to thinking <laughs> yeah, about what yeah. would be language that could open the door to totally. something. Give it to me. I love the question of if our, our price is negotiable. Is there any room here? I liked your, your idea of is there any wiggle room here? Um, a, a question about a bulk purchase bringing a price down. I think these are all ways to get it going. Kind of ask whether we're in that, that kind of a situation where we might discuss this. And it also gives a store owner or business owner the opportunity to say, my prices are fixed. No, this I, I, I really try to give the best price I can to everybody and that's what what I've got it marked at or whatever it is. And I think if you're willing to take no for an answer, you can always ask. And, and that's where when you talk about that attitude, I think it comes into the equation. You can always say, hey, is there room? If there isn't, I think respecting that and taking no for an answer is an important part of the good etiquette.
1: Sharon, we hope that that helps. And Awesome Etiquette audience, please, please send in your feedback about haggling etiquette. Where has it worked for you? Where has it not? Who do you think it's on to start the conversation about haggling or about price negotiation? Let us know your experiences when you get the chance.
0: The first kind of business was barter. A good stone cutter, for instance... Might make a few extra tools and simply trade them for furs and other things he wanted. It was easy. There was no need for money. Even today, barter has its place.
1: "'Where do you send a thank you gift? My aunt is letting myself and some girlfriends stay at her lake house. Do I leave the gift and thank you note there, on the kitchen table, for example? Do I leave the gift there at the house and mail the thank you note to her primary residence, or do I mail the gift and thank you note to her primary residence?'' I should note that my aunt does not frequently go to this lake house. She might not receive the gift for some time because of this. She and her husband have worked hard to have more than one vacation home, so she is not frequently at this lake house. Because of this, I'm leaning towards mailing her the thank you note that says the gift was left at her house. It is something that fits in the theme of her lake house, so I assume she's going to want it there. Thanks so much, Hillary. This is such a real dilemma.
0: It's a good one. I'm going to go pretty quick with the answer. Okay. I'm going to say definitely mail that thank you note. Yes. You want to get that into your aunt's hands as soon as possible. And just wherever she is, send that note to her there. And now's where the etiquette quickie is going to get a little bit longer. I'm wondering (laughs) about the gift itself. Is it heavy? How big of a hassle is oh. it for you to ship it, for your aunt to then ship it? Is it really practical? Does it make more sense for you just to leave it at the lake house? If it does, I think that's the kind of thing you can mention, you can explain in your note. I also think that if it's not particularly heavy, if it's not going to be a burden, particularly on your aunt to get it back to the lake house, mm-hmm. then go ahead and send the the gift with the note to her. Let her make a decision about how she's going to use it, where it's going to live.
1: I'm debating. I'm really debating. I'm like going, I I, I like the idea of leaving it at the lake house. I'm trying to think of things, but I like the idea of the aunt being able to experience the gift. I'm just really torn here. <laughs> what about sending her a photo of it at the house? I just... Wh- How about asking her? That was another idea. I know. I'm like totally stumped. Dan's cracking up over there. But I'm wondering if asking her, say, I've got a beautiful gift for you. We had such a wonderful time. I did purchase it thinking that it would um, fit well in the the lake house. Would you like me to take a picture and send it to you and you can decide if it works best for you here or at one of the other houses? That might be a way. You know, I love the idea of surprising someone with a gift and then being able to open it and see it in that moment. And, And the surprise is wonderful. But sometimes it's more practical to kind of get ahead of it and figure out what's best. And so my, my vote would be to ask auntie. I would say mail the thank you note to the primary house and let your aunt know that you've you've purchased a house guest gift for this lake house. And would she prefer to have it delivered to her home so that she may do with it what she pleases? Or would she prefer to leave it here and just see it the next time she arrives? I'm glad we took the time because that's option three on the table. I didn't realize that was going to (laughs) happen.
0: I think really good gift giving is about growing and fostering relationships. And this might just be an opportunity to engage your aunt just a little bit more and grow that relationship through a discussion about where to put this (laughs) gift.
1: I love all your inspiring relationship moments in this show, cousin. Love it.
0: Hillary, we really hope that helps as you decide what to do with this thank you gift. This question is titled Same Year's Eve. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. Happy New Year to both of you. I have a timely New Year's Eve question, and I hope I can get some sample language from you. Here's the situation. Names changed for this purpose. John, Jill, and I all went to college together. We were all friends in college and now live within a couple miles of each other. In the past years, John has invited me and my husband to a party on New Year's Eve. John did not invite Jill to his house for New Year's Eve. Jill texted me and invited me to a possible party at her house New Year's Eve before John invited me to his house. I'm feeling a bit in the middle and don't want to hurt Jill's feelings. But I'd rather go to John's than Jill's for the evening. How do I tell Jill that we can't make it to her house New Year's Eve without telling her where we will be going? Not the way I want to end 2017. Any assistance would be great. Thank you, S.
1: S. I've got to say, you are dealing with a really classic dilemma on a couple levels. The first level I want to identify is you've done something at a holiday or a particular time of year that you might like to become an annual thing or has potential to become an annual thing, and you are hoping for that invite, and sure enough, another invite for that same day comes in. And you're sitting there going, oh, this invite came in first – But that invite, I'm hoping, is really still going to happen. I say it's okay to leave room for last year's invitation to be repeated. And you can say that, you know, oh, you know, last year we had all spoken about doing what we did, you know, last year again. So let me check in with those folks first before I RSVP. It's perfectly okay if that seemed like a repeatable thing to just let someone know that you need to touch base about your plans to find out if you actually are indeed free. Step number one. <laughs> Step number two, I think what's really, really difficult about your situation is that we can give you sample language for a very easy first conversation. The problem happens if Jill persists to ask what you are doing on New Year's. And I don't know how close you are with Jill for her to – or or what type of person she is – to press and pry and then be upset. But your first line of defense is always – Oh, you know, we've already got plans, but I hope you all have a blast. I mean, that's it. You don't have to say what your plans are. Just say, thank you so much for the invitation. Unfortunately, we're not able to come. And we hope you have a good time. It is that simple. But the problem comes if Jill asks more questions. And there's a balance here. If you keep avoiding to a certain point, it then does look like you are hiding your plans. And at some point, I think you have to be a grown-up and say, we're going over to John's for the evening. And that's it. The tough thing is, I just don't know Jill. And so I don't know if Jill's going to fire back with, well, why didn't John invite me? And this is where you then need to be a good friend and say, I'm not sure why. And I'm sorry that it's upsetting, but I hope that what, however it shakes out, that we have a really wonderful time and are able to hang out after the holiday. I I don't know. I mean, it's tough. This is tough. This is someone personally reacting to something you're not doing to them. It's someone else is doing it to them. You're like the messenger somehow. And in some ways you're
0: anticipating a a, a minor rudeness in that someone asking you what it is you're doing that has prompted you to decline their invitation. That Whereas asking someone what they're doing for New Year's is absolutely a harmless ask. Someone might do it any time. If it comes in response to saying no to your invitation, if you then immediately reply, well, what are you doing for New Year's? All of a sudden, that borders on that territory where they didn't offer as part of their decline. And (laughs) we're now in that gray area territory where... I think that you're not so, so responsible for whatever emotional reaction or response they then have to that information. If you do share it, when under most circumstances, if it wasn't timed like that, it really wouldn't be hurtful information. Oh, I'm going to John's. It's something we've done for years. And there are all kinds of reasons parties have just one other couple or two couples that aren't – they aren't general open invite New Year's parties. parties, And no one really should be hurt. Not being invited to a party. I know that's not the reality. That feeling excluded is something that really hurts, and there's a reason that we're careful about how we share information about what we're doing because we don't want people to feel excluded. There's a certain courtesy to that also, and I I feel that courtesy in you in the way you've asked this question about not wanting to make a reveal that you think could be hurtful. It's why it's a great etiquette question. Mm -hmm. Lizzie had notes on this question that run for (laughs) multiple bullets down the page. (laughs) I just had one bullet because I had very little to add. I thought it was sort of a a, a (laughs) well-flushed out and thought. I was thinking just call John really quick and ask him if he's having the party.
1: Yeah. Just find
0: out if that's going on because it's a Definitely, tradition. that's
1: not appropriate. Uh-huh. But it sounds like this is a close enough friendship where you. Co- I would call you and say, hey, you know, Dan, are you and Pooja planning on having that party again this year?
0: Are we doing that New Year's yeah. thing that we've done the last couple of years? And
1: it's like, if not or if your plans change, totally get it. I'm just trying to plan a few things and other folks are asking and it was such a great time.
0: And it is borderline inviting yourself <laughs> or asking someone to
1: it's so close. throw that party
0: again. It's so but close. Um, I think having an awareness of that tricky territory is also part of it. But if you can do it, if you can get away with it, I think that's a, a good way on the positive side of the equation yeah. to, to try to work it out. And then that gives you a really clear way to say we've got plans. Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: Yes, we really hope that this helps, and we hope that you do get to ring in 2018 with a whole lot of cheer. Guess we'll have to finish the game tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow? I'm going to Mary's party tomorrow, aren't you? A party? Why, I didn't even. No, I don't like parties. I never have any fun at parties.
0: I was kind of hoping you'd go. Parties are more fun when all your friends are there.
1: Cindy! Well, I better
0: go. I'll see you. Here's your ball.
1: Our next question is titled, Gift Return Guilt, and it's a doozy. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm seeking advice about an etiquette blunder I am currently trying to solve. A friend recently sent me a toaster as a gift when she found out I didn't have one. While I appreciate her generosity, this gift was confusing to me since we didn't discuss exchanging gifts, and it seemed out of the blue— I don't have much money and decided to return the toaster to the online retailer so that I could purchase things I needed. I sent my friend a thank you note only hours before receiving an email from the retailer, notifying me that the funds had accidentally been returned to my friend's account. My friend is now upset with me, and I feel that I did the wrong thing by returning the item. I'm not sure if this was karma or if my actions were acceptable." Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you. Feeling guilty. Oh, that stinks. We feel your pain. It it felt so harmless and then the harm set in and it's not fun.
0: I think that sometimes the, the hardest etiquette questions are about those moments when you know that you've messed up or you just feel like something you've done has caused someone else emotional stress or pain or discomfort.
1: The simplest answer really sometimes is an apology. I'm sorry. I am so sorry that I hurt your feelings by returning the toaster. I thought I was being practical. Clearly, it was not the right option. I am so sorry that I've hurt you. You did something really generous, and I apologize.
0: Lizzie Post, I feel much better just hearing you say that.
1: Okay, good. Like, me, I'm like sitting here going, "Does that work?" I think it does. Because <laughs> so? it, it
0: both it, it it expresses that apology, mm-hmm. and it also it, it explains without trying to justify or excuse. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important part of a good apology. Oftentimes, a good apology involves acknowledging the hurt, the discomfort. You can say it wasn't your intent. It's that's not a conditional apology. That's not if I offended you. Right. That's I'm 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 sorry that for the hurt I this hurt caused. You. Yeah. In the moment, it felt practical to me, but I apologize. I'm sorry. I can understand how that wasn't responding to your generosity How, in the way that I would have liked looking back on it. They're, they're, that
1: is, that is, I really is, like the way yeah. you're doing it. Of and I think
0: you're hitting all the, the important points. I also – think that part of a good apology is that it's proportional to the offense.
1: Yes. And – This isn't horrible. I mean this does happen. It's just – it's not pleasant sometimes in this particular case. It wasn't for the sender.
0: When you do receive a gift, it's up to you. You – can make the choice to return or exchange and we talk about the situations where that's appropriate or not on the show and oftentimes the appropriateness of that action hinges on the degree to which you'd feel comfortable talking with the person about it or owning it and in this particular case you've been caught a little behind the situation because you now have learned that it's caused some hurt yeah. that someone thought that that was and there's was, the thank
1: you note that's going to arrive in a few days that says thanks for the toaster Oops. <laughs> so because
0: of that, you're kind of catching up on the yeah. honesty part here. But I think that making that part of a sincere and genuine apology is where you're going to find the – the best out in this situation. Can we also
1: praise feeling guilty for self reflection? We talk a lot about using etiquette for self-reflection and not um, to put other people down. And this is a great example of that. And I'm really glad that there is a solution out there that an apology and a heartfelt I'm I'm sorry I hurt you with you know by my actions. I think that really does hopefully put the band aid on this blip in your friendship. Our next question is titled The Boss's Budget. And this is another great holiday question. (laughs) I know, man,
0: right? Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you so much for always informing, educating, and inspiring people to practice good etiquette. I love the podcast. Yay! I have a professional, work-related question, and I'm in need of your expert advice. Due to company budgets getting tightened, my husband's employer will not allow company leaders to expense any sort of holiday party or get-together for their individual teams this holiday season. As a result, my husband's boss has invited their entire team to an afternoon happy hour outside of the office, and the hunch is that his boss is paying for this out of his own pocket since he can't expense it. My husband will attend, of course, but wants to open his own tab and pay his own way for any drinks and or food he consumes to alleviate some of the costs for his boss. He has also considered attending, but not consuming anything besides water. I understand my husband's approach and intent, but I can't help feeling like it may be rude to his boss, the host, especially if my husband insists on paying his own tab. I believe the boss's intent here is to recognize and reward a job well done over the course of the year, and I would hope that an invite would not have been extended if he could not afford to do so. Keeping in mind what you always say, except a gift or offer in the spirit in which it was given, I have suggested that he attend. Have one drink and enjoy any sort of group appetizer or food his boss orders for the table to share and enjoy the time with his team and not feel guilty about any perceived financial burden on his boss. But I'm curious, is there a right way to handle this? What should he do? Thanks so much for any input you may feel inclined to offer. Cheers, Melissa.
1: Melissa, you are so smart. You are so etiquette smart. I love it. I love it. I think you're dead right. I think that he should go and he should participate. I think that if he wants to offer to to help, depending on his position at the company, I would suggest that that he could make that offer privately to the boss and say, hey, I'd love to bring a tray of cookies, you know, or I'd love to, to offer to pay for two of the appetizers tonight. Like, I just love to help contribute to this. I think it's so great that you're doing something for everybody. And I would just love to help out if, if you accept my offer. That would be one way to go. If the boss turns him down, then say, okay and go and eat the cheese dip and enjoy the shrimp and, you know, don't don't worry about it. Our parents have absolutely done this where I mean, we're a family business, so it's a little bit kind of different dynamic. But where the hosting has happened on a really personal level as opposed to a corporate level And oftentimes what our employees have done is offer to bring a dish or you know, a playlist even or something like that. Just some offer of contribution is always nice. But oftentimes our parents would say, No, 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 we really wanna treat you tonight. And to take that to heart and say, Okay, no, thank you. That's wonderful. That's just how it works. (laughs) Like it's okay to let the boss pay for this.
0: I wanna get a trademark on Etikitty Smart.
1: Etiquity Smart.
0: I really like it, and this
1: this is really <laughs> etiquette smart.
0: List. I was also keying on the idea that you go to the party and just have a drink, enjoy the the group appetizers because those are are paid for, provided for the group. But don't take advantage of that generosity. If there is a an awareness or a concern that this is coming out of someone's pocket, then don't treat it like it's a. Expense account that yeah, exactly. has a lot of extra room in it. Just have a drink and don't take advantage of them. Yeah. But
1: don't try to manage it for someone else when you have no way of knowing what their finances. This might not be a hardship to this person at all.
0: Also, by doing that, you're not setting yourself apart from the other people who are attending yes. the event. Oh, good point. And I was thinking about that a little bit. Also, what if if, if you're really behaving in a way that you would hope that the people around you would behave would you really want everybody at this party to be doing that also or would yeah. that just start to be awkward awkward in a way that would strip some of the meaning or significance out of the event
1: Melissa we hope that this helps your husband feel confident at the party in enjoying all that his boss is willing to provide at the holiday season Thank you for sending us your questions. Please send us updates, comments, and more questions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette Etiquette so we know you want your questions on the show.
0: Each week we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we heard from Liz. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was listening to episode 169 and had to send along my two cents regarding the listener who found the patrons behind them too distracting. Honestly, I was a tad disappointed to hear the advice was to talk to the management about asking the other season ticket holders to be quiet. As someone who spent a lot of time both in the seats and on stage, I know some audience members vocalize their experience. An audience member may be so into the show that they pop out with exclamations and laughter, This is quite different than someone chatting loudly or being on their phone. When one goes to live theater, they receive the full experience, an experience that includes other people. My recommendation would be for the person who is uncomfortable to change their seats, if the seats, which includes the surroundings, are no longer enjoyable. Dan, I'm so excited by your theater etiquette-themed podcast. Please do it. Thank you and keep putting forth a fantastic podcast, Liz.
1: I really wanted to include Liz's uh, comment because I think she's got a point here that there is sometimes a sort of a group experience that you're having. And to not be so concerned about having everything around you so silent That kind of, you're almost not being considerate of the fact that you are in a public space, like a public place with other people who are also trying to enjoy this. And I'm with Liz that, you know, if it's the appropriate show for a hoop or a holler, oh my goodness, you know, exclamations, I completely agree. I think those are moments within the audience and you collectively feel that energy. Laugh
0: and gasp and
1: (gasps) ride that wave. Oh no, like, I mean, you could just totally feel it. It's all the, the... the laughter and the drama that theatre and live performance can bring. But I got the sense from our question asker in episode 169 that this was chatter happening. This was longer exclamations of things, um, but not actually being there knowing. You know, we were kind of giving our, our question asker the benefit of the doubt that it was at the level of disruption and not general crowd enjoyment. So that is why we said to go speak to management, because it was going beyond that place of you know, just a part of the audience and a part of the experience. Moving seats may or may not be realistic, um, just depending on the type of show and and the type of theater. We just have no clue whether that's an option or not yet.
0: I also, before we leave this yeah, piece yeah, of yeah, feedback, please. have to mention that at the Emily Post Institute, we have a growing relationship with a performing arts organization that I'm looking forward to talking more about in the future. And one of the ideas that we're batting around is working together on some etiquette tips for attending live performances and this is just added reinforcement saying to me go for it that would be worthwhile (laughs) Um, and that would be fun both for us and for our audience so thank you for this piece of feedback
1: thanks Liz the
0: modern miracles of sound motion pictures and radio open up vast sources of entertainment and instruction to benefit from these we need our ears which interpret for us the multitude of sound waves they receive
1: Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our group segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette and in the spirit of keeping things
0: Positive Positive
1: and festive and fresh. My cousin Daniel has crafted this amazingly inspirational postscript segment after I bombed last night trying to make one. Literally, I did a countdown of 10 to 1 and then wrote, I have absolutely no idea. I have Viscera on my phone. Anything from 1922 you've read recently? We could make up some kind of top ten. I'm going to go to bed and keep thinking in my dreams. I imagine you (laughs) falling asleep
0: as you were writing the script.
1: I was trying hard. It was like 11 o'clock last night. Um, So, Dan, would you please share with our audience the wonderful, inspirational postscript that you have crafted for today?
0: My thought that I wanted to share was some sort of call for love and attention to each other this holiday season, that this is a time of year where oftentimes the focus gets smaller and smaller on the details of travel or gift exchange or thank yous or the food that we're going to eat and share. And I wanted to take a great big step back and just say that it's worth taking a moment to appreciate the people around us and that there are ways that we can do that. that We can make that appreciation explicit and part of our behavior. And I was thinking about Advice that's probably coming too late if you're getting this um, sort of as the holidays are upon us, but I also think that there is always time to make the effort to, to go see someone, to attenuate or extend the time that you spend with someone you care about, to pick up the phone and give them a call or to set up a time to talk or do a FaceTime if there's someone that you can't see, to reach out to someone that you haven't talked to recently but who matters to you, who you think about at this time of year. It's a great time to to reach out to an old friend or reconnect with someone. Who mattered in your life? I was thinking about making an effort to do something for someone else, and that can be a personal thing. That can be doing something for a friend or a family member. It can also be about donating some time or making a commitment to spend time with an organization that you like that does work for others, and it doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be at a, a, a local soup <laughs> kitchen this holiday, but it can be about a commitment that you follow through with to make that part of what you do in the new year over the course of the next year. and.
1: Actually, that's when I hear that's really important is to not just donate your time during the holiday season when it's on a lot of folks' minds, but during the kind of slower season when it's not present in everyone's minds. So important and
0: worthwhile and it's a good time to make that commitment when you're thinking about it. I was also thinking about the the very immediate things we can do for each other every day, like ask each other how we're doing and really (laughs) listen, (laughs) that we can spend the time that we spend with other people really focused on the people we're with. Put those phones away. Focus on the shared experiences that we're having together and making an effort to connect and to make that time meaningful and significant, to really invest in it personally, to to take it away from that feeling of it's a burden, it's work I have to do.
1: Or that it's just like – what's the phrase? Like performance, just like what you do, you know, like, oh, how are you when you're not really listening for the response? I love I love your word of listen, listen to the answer. It could be time you're spending with your family over Mm -hmm. the
0: holidays. It could be the time on that Friday when the workday is just going slow and nobody's (laughs) really doing anything. You turn to the person next to you and you ask them how they're doing and you really listen. And instead of thinking about sharing what you're going to do as well. You think about the follow-up question that you can ask where you get to know them just a little (laughs) bit better.
1: I love it. I love it. What else?
0: The simplest and best advice, and I want to wrap up our postscript with it, is tell the people around you you love them and you appreciate them. And in the spirit of that, I wanted to completely cheese out just a little bit and tell our audience how much we love and appreciate all of you. You really do make this show happen, and it's been another phenomenal year. We're going to see you very close to the new year, but I didn't want to let it pass, and I know Lizzie didn't also, without saying. We appreciate everything you do to keep this awesome etiquette community happening and really awesome and etiquette smart.
1: <laughs> I couldn't have come up with a better sample script myself, because I second the motion, notion. <laughs> and um, I just want to say that we are so grateful to be here with all of you each week. And um, as my cousin is so fond of saying, we thank you for your time and attention, and we hope that you have a wonderful time paying attention to your families this holiday.
0: And with that, we like to end our show on a high note, and we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world that can come in so many forms. Today, we have two salutes. Dear Lizzie and Dan, many times when I go to the gym at the university I attend as a grad student, I am appalled by the other gym users' lack of spatial awareness. Most days I have to dodge other gym users with their heads down in their phone and headphones over their ears who are oblivious to the world. But the other day, as my wife and I were stretching in a corner of the gym, a young woman politely asked us if we were using the space around us before pulling up a mat to do her workout. Her action was such a little thing. I probably wouldn't have thought anything of it if she hadn't asked to use the space, but it really showed respect and consideration on her part. I want to salute this gym user for taking the time and thinking of others in a space where too few people are aware of those around them. I always enjoy the show. Every time I listen to it, it puts me in a mindset to think about how my actions and attitudes affect others. Sincerely, John.
1: Sometimes it really is the little things. John, thank you for sharing. Our next Salute begins Dear Lizzie and Dan 1 year ago today my anchor my guiding light my father died of cancer He had been diagnosed 4 years prior but the cancer took swift hold of him in October of 2016 By Thanksgiving it was clear that he was quickly reaching the end I stayed in my hometown I live about 600 miles away and cared for him alongside my older sister and my mother "'Together we carried him through his final days and weeks, "'allowing him to peacefully transcend in the comfort of his own home. "'The experience left me traumatized in a way I wasn't expecting, "'and I've been mourning this incredible loss ever since.'" I couldn't tolerate grief books or grief counseling, and it still feels like no one understands this loss like my sister does. I'm so beyond grateful for having a loving, compassionate sister to lean on. She has an amazing ability to counsel me just like Dad used to. She has become the person I call in an emergency or while I'm experiencing any personal struggle, and her wisdom carries me through. Additionally, my boyfriend has been so strong and loving through my erratic mood swings and seemingly endless depression. His patience, understanding, and unconditional love have given me the freedom to grieve on my own time and in my own way. These two wonderful souls have kept me alive and relatively sane through this troubled time. But the reason I'm writing this to you, two is because your podcast has become the soundtrack to this painful year. I stumbled upon Awesome Etiquette in January and listened to it backwards from the newest to the oldest for about 150 episodes. Then I went back and started from the beginning. At the time of writing this, I am merely 50 episodes away from being all caught up, at which point I may have to go back and start again. Your gentle and encouraging voices have become like a security blanket to me. You are with me when I get ready for work, on the road, and any time I'm feeling low. This year, I've had an uncharacteristically difficult time communicating and expressing my feelings, but you've given me both the words through Lizzie's amazing sample scripts and the confidence to handle any situation. With your moral guidance of consideration, respect, and honesty, I feel like I can handle whatever life throws at me, even though the lifeline I've always relied on is gone. So this salute is to you, to my boyfriend, and to my sister. Thank you all, each in your own unique way, for helping me survive this tremendously painful year. Sincerely, Jessica, in sunny California, I really thought I was going to get through that. Oh, crud, Jessica, thank you. We are so glad that this podcast could provide you some comfort. And some language and some confidence. Um, But we are really glad that you have such an amazing team. Dan's crying too, for the record. Um, Such an amazing team of, of family and support at home. Because I can only imagine, as a daughter who loves her father very much, what this past year must have been like.
0: Jessica, thank you for sharing. We definitely take a great deal of encouragement from you, our audience, as well. So thank you for sharing and thank you for being a part of this podcast.
1: Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for listening.
0: And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Questions, comments, feedback, salutes... And you can send us your next comment, question, feedback, or salute to Etiquette at EmilyPost.com.
1: By phone, you can leave us a message at 802-858-KI-N kind That's 802-858-5463.
0: On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore post.
1: And I'm at Lizzie a. Post.
0: On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute.
1: And please help us out. You can consider becoming a sustaining member to the Awesome Etiquette Podcast, or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and please consider are leaving us a review. Help
0: us out. Consider becoming a sustaining member of the Awesome Etiquette Podcast by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review.
1: Our show is edited by the amazing Chris Albertine. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas,
0: Chris. Don't you have the feeling that they're always well groomed?
1: Yes, and that's no accident.